Hi, and welcome to Processing Pros, a series through Ear on Processing. On this series, we're joined by engineers, executives, and other thought leaders in the process manufacturing sector to cover a variety of topics you need to know to better manage your industrial process operations and to maximize product quality output and profitability. And now, on to the episode. Hi, I'm Nate Todd, Senior Editor at Processing, and I'm joined today by Sergio Carrillo, Director of Sales and Marketing at Material Transfer. Material Transfer is a supplier of bulk material handling systems and equipment located in Allegan, Michigan. Thanks for speaking with me today, Sergio. Thank you for having me, Nate. Excited to be here and, and have a chat with you. Me too. Uh, to start off, can you tell us a bit about the history of Material Transfer and the type of equipment the company provides? Sure thing. Uh, so look, the, the history of material transfer is, is long and, and it's longer than probably what we have time for. But um, in short, material transfer actually next year will, is going to ce celebrate 35 years of, of being in this industry, bulk material handling industry. And um, it really had, I would say, humble beginnings. That's how I like to describe it. Um, Scott Nyhoff, who's the founder and president of, um, material transfer, uh, started the business back in 1989. And at that point he was actually working for his father. His father, uh, owned a, uh, metal fabrication shop, which interestingly enough, did a lot of contract work for, um, the companies that you see in our space today that um, are actually potentially even competitors of material transfer. And so Scott um, saw that there was potential for better products, higher quality, uh, safer products. And that's how he started material transfer. Um, it was a one man show back in 1989. And 35 years later, um, you know, we've kind of grown into a leader in our field, um, driven by commitment to being innovative, right, uh, which includes, you know, launching uh, the first bulk bag conditioner product in the market um, and really driven by quality, right? We, we, when we put a solution out into the field, um, we want to be proud to, to say that, hey, this is a material transfer um, and storage product. And so, um, you know, today we're we're one of the we're one of the leaders in the industry, and we serve a variety of customers. And um, but yeah, that's those are kind of where material transfer began and got started. And you mentioned uh, conditioner. What 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 types of equipment do you provide? So a, a wide range uh, of equipment. You know, we serve all sorts of customers, but you know, primarily our equipment uh, and solutions are focused around bulk. Uh, powder and solids material handling. And so for anything from a bulk bag discharger uh, to a bulk bag filler um, and, you know, to a bulk bag conditioner that, you know, for customers that have agglomerated products that they're having difficult time discharging, uh, you know, out of bulk bags, um, all the way down to, you know, we can deliver small solutions, you know, flex screws, we can deliver small box filling solutions. Um, and then most recently, you know, and I think, I think this is driven by customers, um, 
you know, fully integrated systems, right, that have uh, automated components included. And, and that's driven by, you know, companies that maybe used to have large engineering teams, right, had resources that they could pull from and, and pull off these larger, more complex projects in-house. And in today's world, maybe not so much the case anymore, right? They have limited resources, limited staff, and being able to come to um, someone like Material Transfer, who does have um, all of those capabilities in-house to help deliver a full, fully integrated solution, um, I think that's much more attractive today than, than maybe it was you know, 10, 15 years ago even. And so what types of materials or products or industries do you primarily serve? Good question. Um, I like to say that we serve all industries. Um, and, and it really is true. Um, you know, we, we've done everything from, you know, M&Ms and Skittles down to, you know, handling extremely abrasive chemical products. Um, you know, anything that's uh, hazardous or in a classified location we've done. Um, so but primarily, I would say that um, a lot of many of our customers fall into what we call the food and beverage category. And, you know, so we have a ton of experience with sanitary design, uh, washdown type applications, you know, really clean environments. We do well. Um, and we have many customers in the chemical space. So anything that's uh, a classified area, you know, highly combustible uh, materials that people are handling. Um, we do really well in. Okay. And what's your personal professional background? How did you get to arrive at material transfer? <laughs> Long story, but um, at this point, I guess I would say it's it's been well over 15 years kind of in, in, in sales. And funny story, I got started, or, or interesting story, I got started in my in my sales career in the banking world um i actually okay. come from from that world and at that point in time a lot of banks had figured out that hey everybody serves has the same product right everybody has these financial products they all sound and look the same so how are we going to uh, stand out from our competitors and the the particular uh, bank I worked for at that time started to really invest in, in what they call consultative selling, and which turned out to be a great investment because it really benefited me in, in truly understanding um, how to deliver the best solution to a customer, right? And okay. you know how to do proper discovery, and so yeah, that was I don't know. 2006, something like that, that I got started in sales. And then the banking world at that point was kind of really black and white. <laughs> it, it was no longer, you know, the wild, wild west that maybe the financial world used to be. And I got the opportunity to, to join a company called Styles Machinery. And that was my first um, experience with capital equipment, manufacturing, uh, industrial. Uh, solutions and fell in love with it right i already loved working with people um 
So I think that's why in, in, at some point, you know, I ended up in sales is the fact that I, I love talking to people. I love learning a, a, about who people are and I love helping. Right. And so styles was my first experience with capital equipment manufacturing. And that, you know, one thing led to another and my career kind of started taking off and <clears throat> had the opportunity to, uh, to then go into a, uh, to a company called, uh, Bystronic that, uh, manufacturers, metal fabrication solutions, so lasers, press breaks, that sort of thing. Um, and then wanting to be closer to home, right? Be home more often. Okay. Uh, that's how I ended up at Material Transfer. So I, I had plenty of experience in, you know, uh, building sales teams, uh, building marketing strategies, sales strategies, and that's how I, I landed at Material Transfer. Uh, was the fact that you know they were just close to home uh, it, you know a lot of these other companies were were moving to either were based outside of Michigan um, or wanted uh, my role to be based outside of Michigan and I kind of at that point after COVID actually I really valued time with family so <laughs> that's how I landed at material transfer yeah well you mentioned uh, automation um... And and how that's kind of being driven by you know labor issues and stuff like that. But are there any other uh, factors that are contributing to a, a trend toward automation? Like, is it improved quality or, or what? What else does that provide? That answer is uh, the answer to your question is multifaceted. I think you're right in saying that labor is is a big one, right? The fact that you know people can't. Uh, companies can't find people to do some of the labor that's required in their process, right? Uh, like, mm -hmm. hey, lift, you know, palletizing 50-pound bags all day long. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be doing that, and I don't know many people that want to be doing that all day long, right? Um, so labor is a big one, I mean, and it's probably number one. But beyond that, right, there are real business reasons that, I think automation is really uh, kind of taken hold in, in all industries, including our own. I, I see in our industry maybe being less so, um, but increasingly uh, becoming, becoming more, more common, um, you know, efficiency. You know, how efficiently can we, can we do a, a process? And that's real impact on the bottom line of a business, right? Um, so a lot of the factors... Uh, outside of labor labor is there it's there's a financial reason behind it right hey it used to take um you know two people to palletize um you know three hours let's say two hours right and that was on a good day right and oh and by the way uh, these people at times called off were sick um potentially got hurt on the job, which costs us money. Um, now I can automate that process and maybe it can be palletized in half the time. With, and it's mitigated some of the risk that was involved, right? So efficiency is a big one. Um, being able to have repeatable results, right? That's another one. When you remove the human factor, a robot when it's been, been programmed to do a specific thing, 
it's going to do that specific thing the exact same way or close enough to the exact same way over and over again, right? Whereas a uh, a person, you, you or me, maybe as the day goes on, it won't be as efficient. Uh, it won't be as precise. So that's a big, uh, a big one is repeatability is, is a big one. So and a few other, you know, there's more, but I think those are big ones. You know, the efficiency throughput, being able to get do more with less. Those, those are all big reasons why I think many companies are moving towards automation in, in some area of their process. We, where I see it most is an end-of-line packaging right now with a lot of our customers. Um, but I think slowly but surely it's moving to other areas of the process. It's just going to take some okay. time. And you talked about uh, people getting hurt on the job, how important is uh, ergonomics to uh, material transfers, the equipment design process? Huge, huge, because it's important to our customers, right? So, you know, there's this problem of labor shortage, right? Not a lot of people wanting to do jobs that are difficult or are perceived to be difficult. So that translates into, hey, a lot of our customers have to create the best in working environment that they possibly can. And that translates into the machine that they're working with or the equipment that uh, these people are going, going to have to work with on a day in day out basis has to be equipment that's easy to use, that's safe to use, right? That doesn't cause um, unnecessary, uh, let's say, or added, right, physical, um, labor for these people so you know for example take like uh, bulk bag discharging right all bulk bags have a bag spout that needs to be tied to some sort of product transition right well right now no one in our industry has automated that so right now that's a manual process so let's talk about ergonomics in how to load a bag spout right most um Designs out in the marketplace right now are a square dust box design with a small door on the front. I don't know about you, but the space required for both of my hands to reach into something to grab a, a bag spout, you know, typically 14 to 18 inches wide and kind of wrap that around a product transition. I need more than just a foot of space, right? And so one of the things we've done is we've kind of built this gold wing design it's a round uh bag access chamber that fully opens that allows the, the operator to fully reach in with both hands wrap around the back uh and and have access to the entirety of that bag spout small thing right small design uh, in the grand scheme of things but guess what it makes the bag loading process easier right faster um, and those small little things, um, you know, over the course of an eight hour day, when you're constantly loading bulk bags, you know, sometimes, you know, four or five times an hour, uh, those things matter, right? And that translates into a, a, an employee who's happier, right? More likely to stick around. So ergonomics, it's huge, right? There's other factors, right? We talked about, hey, if I designed a product that is ergonomic in design, right? Which means that it's, it's not going, the 
the impact it has on how much strain that operator um, has to make to do whatever the you know whatever the task is. If I can re if I can reduce that, that means I have a happier employer. I have a reduction likely in any you know work workman's comp uh, claims. Um, it's just good overall, right, for everyone involved. So we it's probably number one on our list when it comes to when we're designing a custom piece of equipment for a customer. That's top of mind for us. You mentioned customization. Um, a lot of material transfers equipment is customized to each customer's needs. Yeah. What, what are the benefits other than what you've mentioned already? And how do you determine whether those benefits will outweigh any added expenses involved? with, uh, you know, rather than just kind of off the shelf equipment? Great question. And I'll start off by saying, look, we can do, we do both really well. We, um, and maybe not many people know this, but we have standard design products where if somebody comes to us and, and says, hey, I, I just need, a, I have enough ceiling space. I, you know, I have a ton of space. It's a new facility. We can build around your equipment. We do have standard designs where we can take, okay, we have a standard bulk bag and loader. This is the, these are the dimensions. If that all fits within your space, great. Um, but if not, then yes, we we are very good at building custom equipment. And my first question is to a customer to determine whether or not it's it's worth you know going the custom route is well, what's the cost, right? What are your costs going to be if you you know if you go with a standard like what are you missing out on by going with a standard piece of equipment? And how do how does that translate into you know reduced efficiencies potentially reduced throughput added tasks that you have to do because you now you're working around the equipment versus the equipment working for you and so it's not an exact formula but that's where I like to set the conversation with customers to say well which route should we take here um, but you know. The custom route typically means that you're building the right solution for the application, right? Okay. And I think that translates into, you know, improved efficiencies, uh, you know, reduced maintenance. Uh, sometimes it translates into, you know, less rework, right? Because you've invested in the right solution. Long term, I think investing in the, wrong, in the right solution always pays off. Um, it may take a little bit longer than maybe some of these, um, you know, what the corporation may want. But I think long term, it, it always pays off. Yeah, I suppose time is an issue as well. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that, that, that is a big one. You know, a lot of the a lot of companies or a lot of customers are part of a publicly owned enterprise. And, you know, they have shareholders to respond to. And, and, and that, that all has to be taken into account as well. Um, but I go back to, you know, the most important part of all of this, our interactions with customers is understanding what the real challenge is. And many times it can be solved with a standard piece of equipment. Um, but, all, you know, there are times where we have to customize it, right? For example, you know, ceiling height availability. A lot of these, a lot of our customers are in buildings that weren't purpose built for what they're doing today, you know, and they don't have 40 feet of ceiling uh, height available to us. They have maybe 
15 feet, right? And we're really good at that uncovering what the constraints are and building around those. And it, it usually pays off. Um, last May, Processing published an article from Material Transfer about the importance of containment uh, when handling bulk solid materials. Is, is containment a major concern that processors raise to you, or is that something that you find you need to initiate that conversation? Even in the short time I've been here, I think I've seen change. Okay. But to answer your question, it, it's, it's the biggest topic. And I think more and more now, it's not driven uh, by anything we're doing. It's driven by the customer. Okay. And many things around that, right? It's, it's safety, right? Making sure that the environment that they're providing their employees is safe for them, right? A lot of this, the powders and materials that we're handling or our customers are handling are can be combustible. So dust containment, high priority for that reason, right? They need to keep their employees safe. Sometimes it's regulatory, right? Sometimes there is regulation for how much of a specific material you can have in the air at any given time. So that is big material costs, right? A lot of our customers are handling materials that can that are very costly. Right. And so being able to contain that is a high priority. Right. If you don't contain it, that means you're you're literally letting money. Right. Escape the product stream. And that's that's not a good thing for the bottom line. And then the other one is just creating a desirable workplace. Right. Nobody wants to work in a dirty workspace. And and unfortunately, manufacturing in general has this misconception that it's dirty, that it's, uh, there's a, a little acronym out there, I forget the acronym, you, you might know it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people think, hey, manufacturing, dirty, it's grimy, it's not something I, somewhere I want to work at. And with today's labor shortage, you can't afford to have, right? All these things kind of play into each other. You can't afford to have an environment that is undesirable to work in, right? You don't want to lose people because your work, your workplace doesn't meet their, their, their sanitary standards or their cleanliness standards, right? That shouldn't be the reason people leave your company. And so that's another driver for people wanting to, you know, hey, when we discharge a bulk bag, we want that to be dust tight, right? Because we don't want to create a combustible cloud because we want to keep our employees and because guess what? That material costs us a lot of money and we can't lose money. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I know it's, it sounds simple, but you know, there's still you know, there, there's there's a lot of manufacturing out there though that it isn't up to that standard, right? And, and but slowly and surely, um, we're working with many customers who are in the process of improving their their process to 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 meet that standard, right? Of hey, it's clean, it's safe, right? And it's a it's a process that's profitable. It's not losing money. Uh, material transfer attends a lot of trade shows and conferences around the country. How important are trade shows to your business? And what's your overall impression of the shows you were part of in 2023? That's a loaded question. 
<laughs> but look, um, trade shows, uh, extremely important to us. Um, if you had asked me, in co- you know, during COVID, if, you know, the future of trade shows, um, maybe my answer may have been different, but our experience this year um, has confirmed that trade shows still have a place in this world. Very much so. Um, you know, I think it boils down to people buy from people. People like to buy from people. People don't like to buy from, you know, these obscure uh, brands, right? They don't want to buy from a, this, from a corporate giant. They don't want to be a number to anybody. People want to have relationships. People want to know other people. People want to feel valued. And um, so trade shows are this incredible platform, right, to initiate, to initiate that. Um, and even to, like, um, further deepen relationships, right? You know, on one hand, you have new relationships that are started at trade shows. Um, you know, people stop by, you shake their hand for the first time, and fast forward a couple years later, and uh, you know, some people now are friends, right? You're, you're keeping up with... Uh, your children and family. Um, and then on the other hand, you also have customers who have been, you know, lifetime customers and, and trade shows are a great way to just reconnect and, and catch up with each other and, and have them see, you know, the latest and greatest. Um, so trade shows, very important to us. Um, I think they're here to stay. Now, I say that, um, while also knowing that you know trade shows have to provide value mm-hmm. to to both um, the people attending and and to the people that are showcasing, and I would say this past year experience, including you know Pack Expo in Las Vegas, um, exceeded expectation. Right, um, we saw more customers than we thought we would see. Uh, business was generated from those shows. Um, so we see the value and I think the people attending see the value, right? In today's world, a lot of people think, oh, well, everybody does their research online. Right, right. There's a lot of truth behind that statement. Um, but there are, there's also a lot of truth to, you know, there's just something about being able to go to, let's take, uh, the convention center in Vegas. And if I'm a plant manager and I have limited time, limited resources, a two to three day trip to a convention center where I can see, depending on how fast I walk and how fast I talk, but where I can see potentially hundreds of the vendors that I need to see and I need to know more about. Oh, and by the way, I can physically see and maybe put hands on some of the solutions that I may be considering or don't even know are out there, like that's huge, right? And you don't, you can't get that by Googling anything, right? Mm. You, you know, walking down the hall and seeing, you know, a bulk bag unloader with a unique design for the, for the, you know, bag spout axis. If you didn't know, you know, to 
the term to search for on Google, you would never find it. You would never run into it. Guess what happens all the time at trade shows, right? Somebody's walking by like, huh, didn't know that, that this type of solution was out there. Sure. Right? So trade shows still big, uh, very important to us, and will be, I think, moving forward. That makes sense. That was a good a good uh, pitch for trade shows. <laughs> um, so kind of related, what, what's your forecast for the bulk solids uh, handling and processing industry in the coming year? I don't see anything but good things. Um, I, I think we're, we're going to, or we should start to see, you know, one of the topics out there, you know, that from some of the industries I came from, that was a topic maybe a few years ago, you know, internet of things and machine connectivity. I think that, um, that should start to be a more common topic in our industry. Okay. Um, whether it's driven by us or by customers, but you know, you look at a lot of these manufacturing facilities and, and successful ones. Data is big, so being able to understand, for example, hey, what is this, the current status of my bulk bag unloader, my bulk bag conditioner? Uh, how many? What's the throughput been on that machine for today? How much downtime has it had? I think we will start seeing some of that in our industry. Um, I, we already see it, uh, but we'll start to see it even on simpler solutions, right? Where it's all critical to the process, right? Um, and a lot of these uh, uh, machines need to be able to transmit data, which becomes, you know, knowledge and insights uh, into the manufacturing process, you know, uh, back to, you know, manufacturing execution software that, you know, somebody may be running. Um, I think we'll start to see some of that. As far as our our markets and our industry this next year, look, I don't get a sense that we'll see a downturn of any sorts. I only see going into this new year. I, look, our at least our experience has been that um, business is good, and maybe that's because we're a little bit uh, diverse with you know with our customer base, but. Uh, from a business perspective, you know, people still need to eat, right? <laughs> so That's true. Um, I see nothing but good things. And like I said, from a innovation and, and you know, uh, product development perspective, I, I think we will see some, some more of this, you know, equipment, even if it's simple equipment, right? Being able to transmit data back um, to some, you know, whatever ME, you know, MES software, a company, a manufacturer is running because I think a lot of these manufacturers want to fully understand uh, their entire manufacturing process and, and manage it more real time. Well, finally, um, you mentioned that part of the reason you, you uh, came to material transfer was to be closer to home more often. Um, I've noticed on, on LinkedIn, you know, in addition to Posting about material transfer news and products, you discuss other topics like work-life balance and leadership. And uh, has work-life balance always been a priority for you? And and uh, does material transfer emphasize that? Great question. Um, <laughs> it wasn't always a priority, um, but something that really helped me realize and, and kind of get my priorities straight was COVID. Okay. COVID forced remote work, which allowed me to, you know, 
cut out commute time, which meant that I was home earlier, which meant, you know, if I wasn't getting home at six and, you know, I was wrapping up at five, you know, potentially by 530, I could be on the trails with my family, right? Taking a walk, uh, going to the park, doing family game night, right? Because now I was home earlier and, you know, I wasn't commuting an hour. So COVID really helped to, I guess, rediscover that, like, there's more to life than just work, right? <laughs> and so now it is a focus for me and it has been a focus for me. And I think having flexibility in where people work from um, has been a, a big con contributor to that. Um, and I will say, you know, of course, it, it's important to, to material transfer. Um, I think all of us at material transfer, including the leadership team, on a personal level, realize that there's more there's more to work than you know there's more to life than just work and that if we have employees who are feeling like they they're living their best life both professionally and personally it, it can only result in improved results for the company and so it's a win-win for everybody right you have employees who are happier you know in their personal life yeah if they have families, have families that are happier because now they're around more often. Um, they can be home, at, you know, earlier. There's flexibility. Um, and then you also have um, employees that are more productive, you know, people that are happier to be at work, right? And I think that's that's a big shift. And a lot of companies realize that, that over COVID. I think COVID kind of helped to uh it forced us to have that conversation right sure now obviously covid was a little bit of a of an extreme right <laughs> yeah but the pendulum i think likely before uh, the pandemic was probably swung too much towards you know always being in the office long hours covid kind of helped correct the imbalance there and uh, yeah, definitely. COVID definitely uh, made people reevaluate a lot of things. Yes. Certainly work-life balance yes. was one of them. Uh, well, I thank you so much for joining me today, Sergio. Uh, it was really great speaking with you. Thank you for the time, Nate. I enjoyed being here and uh, excited to be back again if you ever do invite me back. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks. All right, Nate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ear on Processing. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app and share our episodes with colleagues that could find the information we share helpful.